Dynasty Theory is now a proud member of the DLF family of podcasts, and we could not be more excited. Tune in each and every week when we provide actionable advice to help you navigate through the crazy world of Dynasty Fantasy Football. We're always diving into quickly changing values, market inefficiencies, and opportunities to help you build those dynasties. Make sure you also check out the show on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty Theory FF. Enjoy. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Hello, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan, that's Ryan, and there is Matt. This is episode 536 of the DLF Dynasty Podcast, and it is sponsored by No House Advantage, the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available week four edition of the pod ryan uh welcome in first of all yeah thanks dan uh week four was was pretty kind to me i'm feeling good right now oh good i don't know if i don't know if our co-hosts can say the same though well i i oh. feel all right about the a lot of the things that happened of course there were some disappointments for sure and matt i'm i'm sure uh those those hit you hard too yeah, I'm out here on the West Coast, so London game starts at 6 a.m. I didn't wake up at 5 a.m. to see that Kamara was out and a lineup or two. So uh, it wasn't it wasn't a super great day from a fantasy standpoint for me. I there was a lot they, of. Uh, go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, I, I, do they make like alarms in in California? <laughs> do they have those? Listen, I wake up at 4:30 a.m. for work days. I am not working. Oh, so you should be work. You uh, should be used to it then. No, it's my one day to sleep in. It's not happening. <laughs> All right, you can't complain about it. I, there was a lot of complaining about that, and unfortunately for those that were bit by it, uh, they're going to have to watch out for it again next week. Of course, Packers and Giants going over to London in Week Five. Uh, any major takeaways, Matt? Other than the other than the early wake up call and missing out on the Kamara news? Uh, yeah, it's just this is just such a weird season of football. Like I, I feel like usually by Week Four we have some things figured out and I feel, you know, especially with the, with the running back situations, I except outside of a few names, the tight end situation, except for a few names, like it feels like there's not a lot of uh, clarity going on right now. It still feels like a lot of chaos. That for me is as we wade through this stuff. That's a good one. I think most of us that play these games feel that way. I, I think that bleeds over to the quarterback position too. The takeaway yep. for me is that we, we just can't trust in many of these guys. And on top of it, we've had major injuries at the quarterback position and, and some minor injuries and, and replacement quarterbacks that have have stepped in. For those of us that play a lot of super flex leagues and depend on that quarterback 20 to come through, well, they're, they're not just not doing it this year. So it's probably spread across all the positions. If there's one safe position, Ryan, it's, it's probably the receiver position. Those guys seem to be coming through with, with some regularity. Yeah, I mean, I feel like every week on on this pod, we've said it's a weird week. It's another weird week, and I mean, the probably the the more correct term is it was another unpredictable week. And and, and mm-hmm. Matt's right. Usually, four weeks in, we we at least kind of have an idea. But um, I mean, we're we're seeing inconsistent production from week to week from from the same players, right? I mean, uh, a thirty point game followed by a, a three point game, and uh, from from multiple different players, it, and it's just it, it's 
it's always tough to predict. It's even tougher to predict and more challenging to predict um, what those weekly box scores and fantasy production is going to look like this season. And I think the other theme that I've kind of noticed is some of those players that we thought were reliable are not. I mean, you, you know, and, and this might be the beginning of the end for a lot of these guys, right? I mean, Tom Brady has, has not been good. As we always say, we record this uh, essentially during Sunday night football. So we'll see what happens tonight. But Tom Brady has not been good. Aaron Rodgers has not been good. Um, some, of, some of those veterans that have been in our lineups for years are, are slowing down. It seems like they might have hit the wall. Yeah, it, the list kind of goes on and on. And you were talking about how, how how players that it seemed like we should be able to project that box score and haven't been able to. We we let off, or at least before we hit record tonight, we were talking about some players that had some of the best matchups in the fantasy game this week uh, that just didn't come through. Amari Cooper had one catch against one of the poorest past defenses uh, in the league. So uh, we're going to try to get to all of it on this week's episode. Lots to get to, of course. We got another sleeper for you guys. Uh, Matt's got a game for us to play, so looking forward to that. Uh, And then another strategy session as well. But first, let's hit this button. The Startup. Yeah, the startup this week, guys, you know, mulling over the options. I think the most obvious one is the tailbacks, the running back position in general, at, in, in dynasty, in fantasy even. And Matt, you kind of alluded to it uh, in, in the welcome there that we just don't know what to expect from these guys. And the elite stars, Matt, they're just not coming through like we really want them to. Yeah, I mean, we did uh, surprisingly have uh, quite a number of, of, of 20 point scores this week. We had nine running backs score 20 points or more. Um, so they're just not the names that we necessarily expect. You know, we got Austin Eckler and, and Christian McCaffrey finally uh, getting some passes today and got up there in the scoring. But then we also got, um, you know, Josh Jacob and Rashad Penny and Jamal Williams and, you know, these, these guys that we're not necessarily predicting to be scoring this well. Uh, well, we got some other studs, you know, disappointing. So, um, yeah, let's talk about some of those disappointments. And it, it really should start at the top with Jonathan Taylor. 20 carries for 42 yards on Sunday against Tennessee. Uh, just one catch as well. He's averaging just 13 and a half fantasy points, Ryan, so far this season. Now there's news that he got banged up late in that football game. We'll see how that plays out throughout the week if he's going to miss any kind of time. But, JT is the 101 uh, across the board. Every dynasty startup you do nearly, it's going to be JT at the top because we want to lock in that elite young running back. And, you know, everything in Indianapolis is off the rails, it feels like. They can't really get things going in the right direction. If JT can't get you started, I don't know if anything's going to fix what's going on there. Yeah, he's... He's a big problem right now. And that, that Colts offense, really the entire Colts team is Bad. a big issue. That's that's the problem for Taylor. I mean, we 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 have known about his limited PPR upside, and he's been able to overcome that with volume, with touchdowns. And this team is really struggling right now. And, and I mean, that's all separate from the injury. We'll see how significant that is. Uh, but, I mean, we're looking at, at three subpar games in a row out of four weeks now for – Jonathan Taylor, he's currently the RB21 on the season. 
And if you, I mean, if you look at his, his production uh, in wins versus losses over his career, this is kind of what we're in store for 21 wins since he's been with the Indianapolis Colts. He averages 20 carries 110 yards and a touchdown in those games uh, and, and over 21 fantasy points and 14 losses. Uh, that fantasy production dips to just under 17 fantasy points, which at this point we would love to get 17 fantasy points out of him. He hasn't, hasn't given us that much, even the past couple weeks. Um, I think that's, that's pretty typical for running backs, but it feels like it's going to be even more extreme with Taylor. Yeah, it, it's really a roller coaster ride. And right now we're on the low part of that roller coaster ride. There are people doubting his overall upside. So we, the advice we need to give dynasty managers that have Taylor is just to hold on tight, relax, and <laughs> and uh, put him in your lineup again next week if if he's active because it's going to come around. He just needs the he really needs that game script to be right, as Ryan was just talking about. Well, I think part part of what has made him that that 101 in in dynasty startups for much of the uh, much of the offseason is the perceived gap between him and everybody else, all the other running backs. And I think that gap is is probably narrowing over the over these past 3 weeks. I just don't know who exactly is catching up. You know, maybe it's maybe it's Saquon Barkley. He had his time as the RB1 in dynasty and uh, he's he's been one of the few running backs that has really impressed through this first month. Uh, I, I don't know that I'm ready to move JT off that uh, RB1 line, uh, but if if he had any significant competition, I think it would be more of a conversation. Mute. You're muted. Since week one, when he scored 30 and a half fantasy points uh, against Houston, just 7.3, then 12.1, then just 4.3 fantasy points in week four against Tennessee. Their better days are to come. Hopefully the injury isn't serious for JT. Let's move on to the next tailback that we need to talk about. And that's one that we've talked about a lot here on the podcast, Matt. It's, it's Najee Harris. He's... He hasn't looked like the same kind of tailback that we saw a year ago when he had that huge season and had all that volume throughout the year. He's still getting some of that volume in year two, but he hasn't. It, week four was his biggest day uh, volume-wise, 18 carries for 74 yards. That sounds fine. He didn't catch a pass. He hasn't had a 15-point fantasy game yet this season. A lot of us expected some ups and downs when it comes to Harris, Matt. But, you know, really, there are a lot of dynasty managers that, that invested a lot in Najee Harris, and he's not coming through right now, partially because of that that offense, that that offensive line, the quarterback situation. Well, well yeah, and when your, your rookie quarterback who comes in and steals two rushing touchdowns from you, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's dark times for Najee Harris if you're not catching passes or scoring touchdowns, or really any running back, right? Those are the high leverage touches that we want. So um, just because he's getting the volume, he's getting all those kind of empty carries between the 20s and not necessarily getting, like you said, zero receptions and and, and the, touch, the touchdowns do not go his way. So uh, it's bad for him. He's, he's not, he hasn't been a first-round pick, I don't think, for any of us, um, despite what ADP says uh, the, for 
pretty much this entire off season, I think. So uh, he's going to keep falling. I think. If you think, I think once we get to this, actually, Ryan, do you have October? I know you don't have full October ADP, but do we have Najee Harris uh, updated ADP? Yeah, we do. So Harris has been a faller, like many of these running backs that we'll talk about, um, and has been a first rounder for, you know, uh, several months, many months in a row, probably more than a year. Honestly, I would have to check. He's not a first rounder right now, barely a second rounder, fell all the way to 22 overall in our uh, new ADP. Yeah, he was was RB 30 in week one and had a couple of fringe RB one games in weeks two and three, but that was because he caught a few passes and, and was part of that found the end zone in week three. If again, if that's not happening and this rings true for most uh, tailbacks, if they're not finding the end zone, if they're not part of the passing game, the production just isn't going to be there. And it's going to be hard to swallow having invested a first round startup pick in any tailback. One other running back that's traditionally a first round pick, or at least has been for most of the month since uh, being drafted a year ago, Javante Williams with the Denver Broncos. Of course, he's in a timeshare. In September, he was coming into the season. He was the 111 in September DLF ADP. But Javante, that that workload is being split between a couple of running backs now in Denver or still, I guess. And, you know, to be honest with you, Ryan, Melvin Gordon isn't going anywhere. Now Javante's banged up. It looks like it could be a, at least a semi-serious injury. And dynasty managers are questioning questioning if they'll ever get a return on that investment. Yeah, it's got to be frustrating. Uh, I know uh, if you've got Javante Williams on your dynasty roster, you are already frustrated by uh, the role that uh, that Melvin Gordon has played. He's really struggled, especially in this game on Sunday. Uh, did Gordon? Um, so maybe that was a, a little bit of uh, you know a potential bright spot before <laughs> the knee injury for Javante. Um, and, and I talked about this last week, I believe that we've had these committee backfields where two guys were getting work and now all of a sudden their uh, teams are adding a third running back. And, and we've seen that over the past two weeks with Mike Boone. Um, right now with Javante, it, it's just a wait and see how serious that knee injury is. I think that's going to obviously have a, a potential big impact on his value but he's another player who has fallen out of the first round in our new ADP. In fact, in this new data, we only have two running backs who are currently first rounders, two running backs among the top 12. And I think that, you know, that that's kind of the boil down point of this whole conversation that running backs are losing value. They're disappointing. They're falling off. And and now we're seeing it in this October ADP. I'm really perplexed. Uh, with how to how to move forward when it comes to Javante, you guys, yeah. it's a it, it's really a difficult situation because there are so many factors that are that are factoring into to how how we're valuing him. It's all on potential. And in week one against Seattle, when he had that twenty point fantasy game, he caught all those passes, so he saw that as maybe the role that breaks him out. And then he'll catch those checkdowns, and that coaching staff will see that he needs more touches in the running game. Well, that's happened. He had a couple 15-carry games in weeks two and three and honestly didn't do that much with them and wasn't as big a part of the passing game, just catching four passes mm-hmm. in those two games. So 
you know, I know the injury is a major concern for dynasty managers. It certainly is for me as well. But what we've seen on the field, not just from Melvin Gordon and the rest of that offense, but from Javante himself, does not give me a lot of confidence in his long-term upside being as high as maybe we we thought it was before the season when we were picking him late in the first round in startups. Yeah, I would say on Javante, if if we can get past this knee injury, if it's not as serious as it looks like it might be right now, and, and the re- the early report was that he left the uh, left the facility on crutches, if we can get past that and and he can get back on the field in a couple weeks, I mean Melvin Gordon again has been so bad that I do think we would see a larger role for Javante Williams. But one thing we haven't really even hit on this coaching staff looks like they're in over their heads right now. And that's the problem with, with some of these running backs is that I just don't trust the coaching staff to use them correctly and to maximize their talent and, and uh, give us the most fantasy points that we could get. And, and this is definitely one of the, uh, one of the ones I'm most worried about. There are so many running backs worth talking about. We, we mentioned Taylor Harris and Williams. That's half of the first round running backs from September ADP. Christian McCaffrey, who was really good in week four, Deandre Swift, who's, who's missed a game, but, uh, but had two a couple of great weeks to start off the season. And then Brees Hall was the, the 12th pick in ADP in September. He doesn't necessarily have the job to himself yet, but he's shown signs of, of a productive tailback and a guy that we can count on in the future. You, you know, you, you out there listening might think, oh, you're handpicking. You want to talk about JT and Harris and, and Williams, the guy who's struggling. What about the rest of them? Well, you know, those veterans that we've counted on for years, the Delvin Cooks, the Joe Mixons, Alvin Kamara, who's missing games. Mixons looks sluggish. He's only putting up fantasy numbers because he has 17 catches, 14 in points, fantasy points a game, but averaging just 2.7 yards per carry. Delvin Cook, same story, really. Doesn't look like the same guy when he's running the ball. In fact, there's times when you see Alexander Madison get the ball and you think, oh, there he is. Oh, wait, that that's his backup. What the heck? Just... No 14-point fantasy game yet for Delvin Cook. Derrick Henry started off slow. Travis Etienne is not what we thought he could be, and they're not using him in the way that we thought they would. Uh, his biggest game was in week four, 10 and a half fantasy points. So, uh, or excuse me, that was in uh, earlier in the season. In week four, he, he hardly saw the field. Doesn't look like a dynamic playmaker. And the list just goes on and on. You know, outside of... DeAndre Swift, Derrick Henry, who came through the last couple weeks, Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, and now Austin Eckler finally in week four. It's been a slew of disappointing production week in and week out for those top 15 tailbacks. And I just I, I just wonder if that should affect how we build our teams or how we look at the position moving forward. We're going to get to more about the running back position here later on in the show. Uh, we really should I, move on to our sleeper, though, Matt. You got one. I do add. think you got to throw in, include CMC and in, and in, in the running backs that have delivered. You know, twenty five carries last sure. week. You got the touchdown in week one. This week they finally started throwing in the ball. I don't know why with Baker getting you know every other pass getting batted down at the line. Why they aren't just throwing it to McCaffrey on these short passes? You know, every other play basically. So I don't. Th- I think we should we should keep them in that list too. Well, they they weren't doing any of that until they yeah. they needed to score late in week four against right. Arizona. And what do you know? They had a big play and McCaffrey oh scores gosh, a touchdown. So maybe that, that coaching staff will watch the film actually and say to themselves, Hey, we should give it to this twenty two guy. He's he's pretty good. Get him in get him in a little space. 
with another sleeper stash of the week. I know where you're going there, Ryan. Another coaching staff we can't trust, right? Man, that list is getting longer and longer. Once again, it's uh, time for the sleeper stash of the week where we take a look at a player outside the top 200 in Dynasty ADP uh, that we should consider stashing. And I'm going to dig dig outside the September ADP that uh, we have posted on DynastyLeagueFootball.com. I'm going with a guy that scored a touchdown. In fact, his third touchdown of the season uh, in week four, that's Will Disley. He doesn't have an ADP. He wasn't drafted in any of the mocks that were done for the site. As I mentioned, he has three touchdowns, uh, at least two catches in all four games. And guys, he... It's crazy. He has 108 targets in his career, and he scored 12 touchdowns in in just 45 games. So, you know, with the tight end landscape the way it is, it's, it's really just so trashy. I really do feel like he's a guy that should be rostered in most leagues at 25-plus man rosters. Uh, Noah Fant, just 10 catches on the season, I think. He's he's out-snapping Fant. Uh, so far in through the four four weeks, Fant found the end zone too, and and that's a that's a three headed monster at the tight end yeah. position. But it's Disley that's making the plays up the seam. The plays that we when we were looking at that trade that brought Fant to Seattle this off season, we thought maybe he's the guy who can stretch that seam, and make those plays. If you saw Disley's touchdown in Week Four. Uh, against Detroit, that's exactly what it was. Got beyond that linebacker, too big for a safety to handle, catches the ball in traffic, and falls into the end zone. He's doing it routinely right now, guys. And he's a top top 15 tight end, top 16 tight end, sorry, all four weeks, or three out of the four weeks. So, you know, geez, if you, if you look at uh, some of the stars at the position or guys we were counting on, we'd, we'd love to have three top 16 finishes. At the position. So Will Disley is our stash of the week brought to you by Sleeper Fantasy, the fastest growing fantasy football platform in the world. It is built around a mobile interface, so it's easy to do everything league related from your mobile phone, no matter how complicated your league or how many leagues you play in. Join millions of players today on Sleeper, the number one fantasy football platform. Hey guys, let's play a game. Oh, if you guys, if you guys aren't aware, our guy Matt Price, uh, he's he's the host or one of the hosts, the the great uh, team of hosts over at Dynasty Game Night, and uh, this week we decided let's bring some of that that fun to the to the show. So Matt, uh, take it away. What kind of game are we gonna play tonight? Yeah, we're gonna play a game. I think both of you are familiar with. This is uh, in the, the we call them the BS series of games, uh, where there's basically a category. Um, and you're going to be have a bunch of players that fall into this category, and then you guys will bid to see how many names of that category that you think you can name. Uh, you'll go back and forth. If one person thinks the other one has bid more than they can probably name, they call BS. If the person names all of the names that fulfills their bid, they get two points. If the person that called BS uh, gets you and you don't name all those names, then they get one point. So we're going to play two rounds of that, and then we got a tiebreaker just in case there's a tie. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Since week one of 2020, 11 wide receivers have eight or more 100-yard receiving games. How many can you name? And we'll start with Dan on this. 
You got to say the question again. <laughs> Since week one of 2020, so all of the 2020 season, all of the 2021 season, and the first, uh, I guess, three weeks of the 2022 season, 11 wide receivers have eight or more 100-yard receiving games. How many can you name? I hope everybody playing at home is playing along with us. Uh, you're probably going to beat me on this one. I'm going to start. I'm going to play the game. I'll, I'll start with one as my bid. One. Okay. Okay, Ryan. <sighs> you can do more than one. There's 11 sitting out here. Uh, yeah, I'll say, I'll say four. I guess I will. I'll bid five. <laughs> <laughs> Confident. Strong five. Uh, I'll say I'm making my list here. I'll say seven. Oh man. Oh, the pressure on. I'll say BS. All right, Ryan. Seven names. Devonta Adams. Yes, sir. He has 16. 100-yard games. Tyreek Hill? Tyreek Hill has eight 100-yard games. Stefan Diggs? Diggs has 11. That's three. Justin Jefferson? Justin Jefferson also has 16. Uh, Cooper Cup? Cooper Cup also has 16. Travis Kelsey? We're talking wide receivers. Only wide receivers? Oh, Only you, wide receivers. You, you said receivers, so I wasn't sure if that... Uh, Oh, I won't. I won't say that's a bad one. You you can keep going. Okay. Um, if it wasn't clear. So I need two more. You need two more. Uh, that that was one of my one of my two. Um, <laughs> I will say. I will say AJ Brown. AJ Brown is correct with eight. I had him one on more. my list. I think. I would say two of these are. Two of these shouldn't be that hard. Um, man, I'm gonna say um, say DK Metcalf. That is incorrect. Yeah, that's what I thought. But his teammate Tyler Lockett got there. Oh, did he? Shoot, yeah, those are the two I was between. <laughs> uh, uh, any other guesses, Dan? You get the point. Did you, you have any other names? Was Mike Evans on there? He was not. Oh, okay. He was on the Keenan list. Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen was on my list, mm. and I had Terry McLaurin with a question mark. McLaurin got there. Amari okay. Cooper got there. And oh, Alvin Ridley got there, despite not playing basically oh. all of last season or this season. That's because he's good, man. Yeah. All right. Yeah. One point for Dan, zero for Ryan. We got one more round. Ryan, if uh, you take this one, you can still win the game, if, if you name them. For this question, since week one of 2020 – so the same same time frame. Seven non-quarterbacks have scored four or more touchdowns in a single game. Ryan, how many of those non-quarterbacks that have scored four or more touchdowns in a single game can you name? I'm calling this the Al Bundy question. In case you guys <laughs> watch Mary with Children. Uh, one. Ryan says one, Dan. Well, I'm very, you- I'm, I'm very confident in in one (laughs) uh i'm gonna say two because i know he can get one i'll say three Ooh, that's that's a good bit how many are there can i have that there are seven of them oh man seven non-quarterbacks have scored four more touchdowns i think i found i figured 
figured out a I'm confident in two. So if he if I call BS and he gets I'm going to bid wins. 3. I I can't let him just have it with a 2. He's going to have to bid 4 and I'll have to he guess on my third one. Oh, he bid 3. No, you have to bid 4. Ryan bid 3. Yeah, that's why I said good bid. <laughs> oh man. Um I think that was I'm going to bid 4. I guess, guess I'll say him. BS. I can't name All right. five. <laughs> All right, Dan, for the win. All right. I remember name Kamara did touch- it in the playoff game. He did. He had in, six. In the fantasy playoff game. I remember Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool Chase caught four touchdowns correct. in a game last year. He sure did. And I'm going to take the two guys, game. the two guys that scored 20 touchdowns last year. I'll take JT and Austin Eckler. JT and Austin Eckler are both correct. JT scored five. Austin Eckler scored four. Nice work. Those were were guesses that time. (laughs) (laughs) Any guesses for the final three? Um, I I think Leonard Fournette had a big game. He did? That was... was, I I think Devontae's was was only three touchdowns last year, right? Yeah. I don't think he made it. Yes. You know, he didn't get there, but Aaron Jones did. Oh really? I would have never got yep. that. And Tyreek uh, Dalvin Cook. Oh, Dalvin Cook. We're gonna play the tiebreaker just for fun, even though okay. you won, Dan. All right, the tiebreaker. This is not we got, fun. We got, do we got time, Dan? Yeah, we got a minute. Go ahead. All right, all right. This is the name game. You guys all know the name game. This is the game where you have to take. I, I don't think we have time for this. <laughs> <laughs> They're both football related, Dan. Okay, there's so only two of them. Let's category. get through them. So, so this is like the uh, Wheel of Fortune before and after category. Basically, you're taking two names or two, a name and a category and putting them together. Um, so I'm going to give you uh, the, the conference and a position and then the category. And uh, you got to smush them together. Yeah, I First one, the only one, AFC South running back and AFC South team, both the location and the name. So the entire team name, AFC South running back and the entire team name of an AFC South team. While these guys are thinking about it, we are coming up on the finals of the tournament of champions for Dynasty Game Night that uh, both Dan and I are in. So that's going to be fun. Oh, wow. You're in it? I didn't know that. Nice. Brian. Luckily, there's no name game in the finals. Uh I definitely did not earn my spot. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, Anybody? You want a clue? <laughs> okay, I got it. Dion Jacksonville Jaguars. That is not what I read down, but it does work. So I'll take it. <laughs> the right answer that I, well, not the right answer, but the answer I chose was Travis E.T. Indianapolis Colts. If you if you guys like that game or any of those games, be sure to check out uh, Dynasty Game Night with Matt and the rest of the guys. It's on the DLF feed or wherever you find podcasts. It's time to set the line. Yeah, guys, let's let's set the line. Uh, I did not do well this week, Matt. Uh, I know it's not in the books, but it's looking like Ryan's pulling away with this thing. Yeah, it's looking like uh, he's got he's two and zero this week, and we're both zero and two. Okay, uh, so we don't need to go through with... records. Then we'll just uh, jump right into the week <laughs> five uh, lines. 
And uh, since I'm I'm way down there still, and I got a lot of work to do, I'll start things off. Um, I'm gonna say Justin. I'm gonna start with Justin Fields. So his best finish is quarterback twenty four back in week one. I think he's quarterback twenty two, but there's a couple games. I'm, I think he's gonna get knocked down a little bit. He plays at the Vikings in uh, in week five. Is his quarterback finish at the position gonna be over or under? Quarterback 21 and a half. So will he have his best finish among quarterbacks in week five? Uh, I guess an overbid would be he's better and an underbid would be he's worse. Matt, what do you got? I need to look up and see who they play. You probably said that. They They play the Vikings. Over or under quarterback 21? I'm going to say... Wait, under means he's going to finish better than that? Is that what we're saying? No, the other way around. Other way, okay, and I'm saying over. Under is He will finish 21 or better. better. How about you, Ryan? I will say under. I uh, I saw a little bit of improvement in Justin oh, Fields. Boy. And really, you got do you have to squint? <laughs> well... I mean, he he hit on he hit on a deep play to uh, to Darnell Mooney. Finally, um, Mooney put together a decent game. Um, so yeah, I mean, I did have to squint, but I, I think it was a little better. Fields also ran the ball, which we've been begging for him to do. You know, if you're if you're not going to throw it, at least run it. Uh, I think he had fifty two rushing yards, something like that. Um, so yeah, I, I saw at least from a fantasy standpoint some improvement. But still, I, I I don't like that Vikings defense. Um, yeah, I mean, Andy was- Dalton was even efficient and, and scored fantasy points against him. Uh, <laughs> if you count Taysom Hill's rushing touchdown, the quarterback position finished as a top 20, uh, 20 performer in week four against the Vikings. So I think you guys are going out on a limb there. That's a, that's a stretch to be 21 or better. Well, no, I went the other way. Oh, he went under. Brian oh, you went under. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, Matt, what do you got for us? All right. In, uh, in week one, there were six running backs that scored at least 22 PPR points. In week two, there was only two. In week three, there was also six. And this week, so far, entering Sunday Night Football, um, there have been nine. So in week five, I am setting the line. Uh, sorry, uh, the that's an average of 5.75 per game. But it looks like there's some juicy matchups perhaps in week five for running backs. So I'm going to set the line at six and a half running backs uh, at 22 PPR points or better. Uh, Yeah, that's a that's a good line. Um, Finally, got a good one. Yeah, you you nailed that one. Uh, I think I'm going to go under. I'm going to go under. I, I think, you know, just based on even what what you laid out as far as the number six and then just two, it's it's a little bit fluky. Um, I'm seeing some tough matchups on there. And we've also got a a lot of these running backs, as we talked about earlier, who are injured. So I'm going to go under. Dang it. I, if you'd have set it at five and a half, I think I would have gone over. But I was I was leaning under as well that I, I do think there's some nice matchups. But Ryan was right. There's. There's some banged up running backs, and there's just so many committees. It's hard to get to seven. So I think we're both taking the under there. Ryan, set a line for us. Through four weeks, 
uh, we have eight rookies who have uh, been in the top 12 at their position. That's across all four quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. Uh, so that's the number, an average of two per week. In week five, will there be more or less than two rookie top 12 performers at their position? Oh, so we could get a push here. You could. We, we could have a tie here. Um if there's exactly two, Matt, we we get a tie. So either way, there. This is a good line. I, we don't, I like this one, Dan. Dan, we don't need a tie. He's up by four <laughs> games on you and three <laughs> games on me. So tie is not acceptable. We need wins. All right, let's go for the win then. Um, for the first time, I'm going to go for the win, and I will say over. I think it'll be over two rookie top twelve performances at the position. Yeah, I mean, just gaming it out, I feel like at least one running back and two wide receivers could get there. So I think I'm going to save over as well. Kenny Pickett, baby. Kenny Pickett time. Top 12 quarterback. Yes, yes. Maybe not throw three interceptions. He's going to have to tell that. <laughs> he needs those two rushing touchdowns, though. That's for sure. All right, that is uh, – we set the line for this week. Uh, let's move on. Scratch it. Let's get back to a little bit more dynasty-focused material here. Uh, Ryan, you prepared something for us here. What do you got for us? Yeah, I'm just thinking about uh, trade value and and just how that changes throughout the year. Um, And and now that we're well into the regular season, I'm thinking about a situation, and, and actually this came from a trade question I got Back in week one, in fact, right after week one ended, uh, someone reached out and said, I've got Matt Stafford. Uh, I'm, I'm a contender in this Dynasty Superflex League, but somebody offered me Trevor Lawrence. And and Lawrence, you know, going back to week one, had a, had a quiet game, didn't, didn't look great in week one and, and kind of flashes of what we saw a year ago as a rookie. And that was really his question was, should I give up this this safe production in Matt Stafford that I have, a veteran on a con, on a contending dynasty team, for the upside uh, of Trevor Lawrence? And of course, if this were March or June or July, that would have been an easy slam dunk. Yes, take Lawrence for Stafford. But we see the value of these players, as we've already talked about with the running backs. We see the value of these players change as soon as as soon as the lights come on, right? As soon as the games begin, especially if you're a contending team. So today I just want to talk about some situations where uh, you're a contending team and you're offered, uh, you're offered a younger player who has that upside. You, you think is going to have uh, going to have some production eventually, but maybe not giving you that consistent production right now. I think so, I think this is a great topic, and I, I want to break in here for just a second because I, I think this is a weakness in my game, personally, and it, it might be the opposite of some other people that are listening right now, um, because I regularly trade away twenty six year old running backs and and star players and even thirty year old quarterbacks and twenty eight year old wide receivers. I do it routinely in my leagues. I play in a lot of contract leagues though. So a lot of times that that's married to a one or a two year contract as compared to a four or a five year contract. 
So, and even when I'm set up to win a league, I will trade the Elvin Camaras and trade the Cooper Cups and Devontae Adamses for the up and coming player. And typically I do target the young player like you're talking about there, Ryan, rather yeah. than the future draft pick, although draft picks are great as well. I'm wondering from you guys, do you do you think this is a something you typically do or look to do? Or are you a little bit more agnostic and try to stay away from it? I definitely do that again in the off season, but I, I do feel myself a little, um, a little hamstrung in the regular season. If I've got those guys that are producing and we've already talked about a lot of these running backs already, these, these veteran running backs, um, they're not all producing at a high level right now. So it becomes an easier it becomes an easier decision to trade them away, but obviously what you're getting in return for Mixon or Cook or, or Kamara is not going to be what it was, you know, even even a few weeks ago. So that makes the decision even more difficult, in my opinion. But um, I don't I don't find myself tinkering too much if I've got a contender uh, in season. You know, I'll, I'll look for some some depth. Uh, if I've got a weak spot, I'll, I'll try to improve that with a veteran. But as far as trading these guys away or the, the situation I was talking about earlier with, with Stafford and Lawrence, I think that's that's kind of an extreme example. I, I advised him to take that deal, and hopefully he did. Uh, I would have as well, and, and already just uh, three weeks later it's worked out. But, you know, to trade away – McCaffrey or, or Austin Eckler for and, and AJ Dillon or something like that. I think that's maybe one example where you're trying to get younger at the position, but you know, you're giving up some, uh, some short-term production. That's not something I normally do. Honestly. It's hard to do these too, right? It's, these, it's hard to pull the trigger on those typically, but I'm, I'm always, I want more bites at the apple. And, right. you know, more chances at that title game. I, I don't just want this year. I'm greedy that way, Matt. Are you the same way? These are the kind of decisions that I agonize over because I, I will, like, look at everything from end of season schedule to, yeah. you know, not just the age, not just the production that's happening right now. Like, these are not deals that I go out searching for. But every once in a while, you get one in your inbox and you're like, I could buy back three years and can I get 80% of the production I'm getting now? And is that enough? Uh, you know, to, to to still be the strongest contender or a top three team or whatever it is entering the playoffs. So I would say I'm similar to you guys in that regard, but these are the ones that it, it'll sit in my inbox for a while. You know, a lot of 90% of the trades that come in, it's either a quick accept or reject, but ones like this are the ones that I really like overanalyze to, to, to death sometimes. Uh, and honestly, uh, one of the weaknesses in my game would be the reverse. You know, I had the strong contender, uh, you know, going down to the wire and mentoring the playoffs. I want to pick up that one more piece. to, And, and that's when I'm likely to, to trade one of these younger pieces that aren't producing for one of these older guys that, you know, maybe I'm only going to get two games out of. And that's that that oftentimes does not work out because if you don't win the title, you just like really hurt yourself for the future. Right. So, um, yeah. Well, I think this specific scenario is is actually kind of rare because if you – if you're talking about having that veteran that is safe production, reliable production, if someone's coming to acquire that or to offer a trade for that player, 
I think it's safe to assume that that other team is also a contender. And that's the point of view we're coming from. You've got a, a veteran producer on a contending team. So let's, before we even talk more specifically about the players, just that situation. If you're a contending team, here we are a month in, you know, maybe you're, you're 4-0, and something like that. Are you even considering a trade with another uh, another contender? Um, or does that have to be an overpay situation? Like what's your, what are your thoughts on, on that situation? Well, I did it last year and I've done it multiple, multiple times. I, I traded away Devonte Adams a year ago and it was, it was early in the season, week two or week three. And it ended up coming out, coming to, down to bite me. And I actually traded him away to a team that wouldn't contend. And of course, Devonte ended up on the team I played I played in the title game. So even when you do trade him away to to a team that may not contend this year, that guy could still end up back on your major competition. I guess there's a lesson there. And I think I think all I can say is yes, I do it because it's yeah. for the greater good. If if the it really comes down to one thing. Is the trade going to make you a better team either enough in the long term to outweigh what it hurts you in the short term? Uh, if it, if the answer is yes, then I think you should do the trade, but you know, I still made the title game in that league last year. I I still felt like I was a contender in that case. So if, if it knocks you out of title contention, that is a hard pill to swallow. I want to go for it every single year. And and that just isn't the case all all the time. And some of the names we're going to talk about the, the cups and the digs and the Adams and these running backs, even that, that maybe have been a little bit disappointing, they are massive producers, and we all know we win on big big production, big blow-up games. You need that guy that can score you 25, 30, 35 fantasy points in a week. And trading one of those guys away costs a lot, whether that guy is 30 years old or 23. So, I, I mean, I think you made some good points there. I, I think the more I think about it, the more we, we discuss it, I feel like I would be more likely to make a trade like this because I know, especially at the running back position, there is so, there's so much cheap production out there. Right. I mean, even a guy like Jeff Wilson, right. Um, and maybe that's, maybe that's too far down the the line, but I mean, Leonard Fournette is going, is going to be pretty easy to acquire. And in, in most leagues, we're talking about contender and contender trades, but go go pick off those veterans, those short-term producers from the the zero and four, the one and one and three teams, and the combination of those two deals uh, could put you ahead both short-term and long-term. So I, I liked what you said there at the beginning with Jeff Wilson. That list kind of goes on and on Miles and on. Sanders. We, Miles Sanders. Yeah, Miles Sanders is so cheap. Yep, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire has been putting up production. And, and there's even bottom-of-the-barrel guys like Wilson, who was in free agent pools uh, a couple months ago in a lot of dynasty leagues. And um, Jamal Williams was, sought, was thought of as a, as a bottom-of-the-barrel roster, the last, last few guys on your roster type of player. And he's in starting lineups every single week with or without Swift. So there is product, the Cordero Pattersons of the world that you can get for a second round, a late second later this season to replace that production. I think you made a good point there, Ryan. The running back position especially, it's a lot easier to replace that production. There is a difference between leagues where you have to start two running backs 
or mm-hmm. or leagues that are open flex or only only make you start the one running back. So you got to factor all that stuff in. And I don't know if we have time enough for that conversation, (laughs) but overall, I I think it starts with every dynasty manager having an honor, honest conversation with themselves about if it, if, if it really outweighs the, if the positive in the long run outweighs the negative in the short term, I think it's an easy yes, especially at that running back position. Well, let's try to put a a couple trades together here uh, for teams that do find themselves in this situation. I've listed a few running backs that we might consider trading away. Uh, And again, some of these players have not even given us that consistent production that we might have expected a month ago. But Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Alvin Kamara, and Aaron Jones. So those are eight veterans, all 26 or older, uh, who are, are in starting lineups every single week. Um, some younger running backs that we haven't seen produce consistently, uh, certainly not at that same level or, or really at all. Uh, but these these could be players that could be involved in these types of trades. Travis Etienne, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, A.J. Dillon, and Kenneth Walker. I mean, the first thing I would point out is I had trouble finding good young running back targets that I <laughs> yeah. felt good about. <laughs> right. um, you know, I'm, I mean, I included Kenneth Walker. So that's that kind of tells you all you need to know. Uh, I mean, if you really like Damian Pierce, you could include him, although he's, um, you know, his value might not be far off from Alvin Kamara already or, or someone like that. Um, so if this is the type of deal you're making, essentially what, what do you need to get on top of the young player or along with the young player to give up one of those veterans? I think if it's Eckler McCaffrey for me, like I'm going to probably need a first on top of any of these guys. And honestly, the only ones on the other side that I'm that interested in are Dobbins and Dylan and a little bit for holding out hope for ETN, but it's not really looking good based on his situation. And then everybody else down the list from cook down to Kamara, um, I think Jones is kind of in the middle for me. Um, I would like to hold on to him. I, I need a little bit more on top of one of these guys to get Jones. But the other guys, I think I would be willing to do almost straight up. And we're talking about Cook, Mix, and Henry, and Chubb, and Kamara there. I, so if you could, if you were offered Dylan for Kamara, that's a that's I a think deal so. you're at least considering just I'm to buy back that, the years. I'm taking that straight up. I think. Yeah, I'm I'm close as well. I, you know, the more I looked at it, because of of the list you made there uh, of the trade targets, I I know we're about to talk about the wide about the wide receivers. That's where I want to go. I want I want to go cross position on on this thing. If we're right. not going to oh, yeah. do draft picks or or whatever, because you know I, I was thinking about it. Derrick Henry's 28, I believe. He's going to be 29, and the rest of those yep. guys are right around 26. And so we've been talking about Derrick Henry this way for a couple of years. And really, Henry, even with his lost season and injury and the 2,000-yard season in, in his age 27 year, like that is best-case scenario for any one of those running other running backs that you listed there. So take Nick Chubb, for example. Very similar to Derrick Henry. Power running back, not a lot of pass-catching production. We got lucky with Derrick Henry, and he missed a season. So I, I think that's the angle you should look at all these running backs from. And and decide really, 
if my upside is Derrick Henry for the last two years, who now we're still thinking you need to move on if you're going to move on, then what's the downside? And and that kind of, that goes to to that last uh, that last group of receivers or running backs that have left now the Le'Veon Bell's and the David Johnsons, all those guys that fell off, and we got nothing for because we waited till they were 27, 28. Todd Gurley's in that list as well. So you know that that. That's where what Matt said really comes into play, going straight across and trading the Kamaras or the or the Joe Mixons for J.K. Dobbins or A.J. Dillon or, or one of the others that you might have mentioned there. You're really just buying the years back because when it comes to the running back position, it needs to be a fluid environment that you can you can change rapidly because these guys <laughs> these guys wash out so quickly. It's almost like we should just play the running back position as redraft and, you know, outside of a handful of guys where there's B. John Robinson coming in or if you want to throw Jonathan Taylor in there, sure, whatever. Um, But almost we should be playing this as a redraft. And and, and in that case, why would we be moving, if we are playing it from that perspective, why would we be moving these more productive guys for guys that are less productive now when those younger guys, you know, they could get hurt this year too. They could get hurt early next year. And then you just missed out on all the production from the veterans. And that goes back to, to moving, moving that, that, those assets to the wide receiver position that lasts longer and and playing the running back position redraft the next year, make the trade for the guy for this year, try to trade him away after that, whatever it might take. It's a hard game to play, but we have to play it. So the wide receiver position is the complete opposite here. We've, Mm -hmm. we've got fewer of those, uh, veterans that, uh, both are producing at a high level and also still carrying, uh, a great deal of value. And it, it's the, the four guys that always get grouped together, Cooper cup, Stefan Diggs, Tyreek Hill, and Devonte Adams. And you could drop down to Mike Evans or, or Keenan Allen guys like that fit in this conversation as well, but a different value tier. And while I had trouble finding running backs that, that fit the bill, the, the wide receivers are a plenty. And that's, that's kind of, why we've had the conversations that we've had the past few weeks about a, a, another shift in the dynasty landscape back to wide receiver, because there are so there, there's so many guys that we want. There's so many guys that are gaining value at that receiver position. Um, so just some I've lift, listed here that could be in just say all the deals. rookies, all the rookie receivers, right? <laughs> all the rookies fit for sure. Uh, or at least most of them, DJ Moore, DK Metcalf, Drake London. There's one of your rookies, Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, Gabe Davis, Garrett Wilson, Jahan Dotson, Devonte Smith. Uh, there's, there's probably others that I'm missing or that would also fit in this category, but, uh, what is, what does that type of deal look like? I think the four, the four veteran receivers, I know Adams has been a little disappointing, but especially Hill, Diggs, and Cup have produced at such a high level this season so far. It, it's tough to do a one-for-one deal, even if you're getting right. a guy like London or a guy like Garrett Wilson who looks like a future star. Um, I don't think maybe, – maybe you can do it with Adams, but I don't, I don't think you can do one-for-one with – the receivers uh, vet to, I, to younger. I kind of think the more interesting question might be maybe you have to take like London and, and Wilson out of there because of their high values as rookies. But 
Is there a deal where you trade Cooper Cup or Diggs or Hill for two of those guys on the list? Is that the kind of is that the kind of move you're you're trying to make? Does that even get done? Like, can you move Cooper Cup? Are you are you happy getting Jahan Dotson and DK Metcalf for Cooper Cup right now? Yeah, again, from the from the the story we're telling here that you're a contending team and you've got Cooper Cup and his 26 points in your lineup every week. It's tough. And and that's really that's really what the whole discussion is about is how do we weigh that current production versus what we know is, is future value, even even if those young players never hit, we know that they have value. As soon as right, as soon as January one rolls around, the younger players are worth so much more. And and that's not really how it should be. We should learn our lesson there at some point, but um, that that's kind of the reality of, of what it's going to be. I've never tried doing this, but it'd be a fun exercise. And I don't know if either of you guys have is to, we, we know, like you said, the, these young guys, once we hit uh, whatever, February 8th or whatever the last day of the season is, um, these young guys all of a sudden spike in value and these older guys die in, in value, so, so to speak. Right. So yep. if you are not a contending, if you have like, if, if you have these players on your team, but you're like a middle of the road team, you're probably, you know, maybe you sneak into the playoffs, but you're not super confident you're going to win. And you have one of these aging veterans on there. Um, but you know, your team is, is good enough, but maybe it could be better next year. So moving Cooper cup for a, a couple of guys on this list, like you mentioned, if it's DK Metcalf and Jahan Dotson, sure. And then once you hit the off season, Maybe try to go the other direction with take those two that you mm-hmm. just got and try to move them for two guys that you know are going to be absolute producers in the following season and kind of play that back and forth value game. It seems like a kind of a maybe it's kind of a risky move to make, but I think it could work out if you're willing to to do that. I think your team has to be in a very specific situation to play right. that game, um, but it could very well be profitable. The the real the real question is if you're if you're one of the two best teams in the league you're three and one right now you're four and zero oh right now and and you're thinking to yourself I I can win the league it's just so difficult to trade that guy away that the specific trade that I I said there cup for for Metcalf and Dotson I I know I said I I always do these trades I couldn't I couldn't pull the trigger on that deal I if I'm I if it, I'm four and zero oh, I would need I think I'd want a, a nice draft pick or or another player that's relatively significant to even pull the trigger on something like that. So I guess it's I guess it's just depends on the exact situation you're in. We're we're kind of trying to speak in generalities and that's difficult to do. It's impossible in dynasty. It depends on everything. Like if you're a strong like you're a strong contender but Coop you have, you have maybe you have two super maybe you have two of these guys. You have Cup and Diggs but your depth behind them is nothing. Maybe it makes sense to trade that to get that you know upgrade at wide receiver three and maybe wide receiver four if you're starting five or six guys in some of these heavy flex leagues, right? So I think there are definitely situations where you might want to consider it, even though we do say that you know take the best player in the deal. If it's a two for one, you probably want the one most of the time. And, and I think just just to kind of wrap up the conversation, Dan, you said there's you know we're speaking in generalities because there there is no hard and fast rule that fits with every scenario here. Uh, it's, it's just a conversation we wanted to have because again, the deeper we get into the season and the contenders and the um, 
the non-contenders become more obvious as you as you look at teams and look at records. These are situations that are going to continue to pop up and and present themselves in leagues. And um, yeah, I, I I guess maybe the takeaway here is that if you are considering trading cup or, or one of those players in that range, maybe you don't have to go that far down, right? Like try to get, maybe you can get Jalen Waddle. Maybe you can get Michael Pittman. Those guys are ranked a little higher than the names that I mentioned. Tearing down in these cascading trades is something I do think we should definitely dive more into because it's something I've been doing a lot lately, especially like with these top tier. It's a different position, obviously, but these top tier quarterbacks where, you know, maybe you don't you you love Patrick Mahomes, but maybe you want to tear down to at that point, Jalen Hurts and get some rushing upside and then pick up another piece on it. So something like that with wide receivers and these guys, I think is a really good idea, Ryan. Yeah, I, I think that is a conversation we should continue to have throughout the season and, of course, into the off season as well as we translate into that that buying season for the younger players and the selling season for these veterans. Uh, guys, I think that wraps it up for the show. Final thoughts? Um, I know there was a report while we were recording. Ian Rappaport said Jav- the Va- Javante Williams injury is feared to be serious um, MRI tomorrow. So we'll find out how serious that is. Just, you know, we knew they were coming, Ryan, these injuries. And uh, yeah. that one's a hard one to swallow for sure. Yeah. I think Javante is, is a player that so many dynasty managers have uh, been a fan of been, uh, uh, been invested in. And, you know, when you get that player, that was a, a first round startup pick for a lot of people. Um, you know, hopefully this, this, hopefully the report is wrong, but it, it certainly doesn't look good right now. And um, I would just say, uh, you know, if he, if he is out for the year, it's going to be trade for Javante Williams time because we see the value dip on, on these players every single time they suffer serious injuries. And in almost every case, we see the value bounce back, even if the production doesn't. So uh, this will be, this will be your chance to uh, get Javante Williams on your team, potentially. I think that is some good advice to close the show on. Get more of that from Ryan at RyanMC23 on Twitter. You can follow Matt at MattPriceFF. I'm at DMiler22 and get the podcast at DLF podcast we are done with week four on to week five uh thanks to everybody who listened we'll catch you again next week thank you for listening to the dlf dynasty podcast please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts